I'm Justine. And we are the Murderers. We're zooming again. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot easier, you know. We live in Way different easier. times. Um, so this is episode number 49. Almost to 50. Almost yep. to a big milestone. It feels like a hundred episodes, but no. Yeah. Only 49. Um, like, sorry to interrupt you. I feel no, like I yeah. get it out at the beginning. If you can hear a child screaming in the background, mm-hmm. he's okay. He's with his dad. And he just wants a banana or something. Yeah. <laughs> Best with bananas. But yeah. So sorry. I mean, this Fine. is life. This is life. Been All right. So- care of. Today's episode is a disappearance. It was actually featured on the latest season of Disappeared. And and it happened pretty recently. So it actually happened in 2021. And this case like had didn't have a lot of media coverage. I don't know if you're gonna go into this, Elisa. Uh, a little, a little yeah. Little yeah. So I think this is like, you know, go- a good case for us to cover and just kind of like keep it moving and help. We don't typically do like these new cases. We, a lot of times it's older cases, but I think it's good to do these new ones also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. So today's case is about the disappearance of Daniel Robinson Jr. Daniel was born on January 14th, 1997. He grew up in South Carolina. He is one of four children to parents David Robinson and Melissa Edmonds. So I assume I tried to find out if like the parents divorced and like at what age, but I couldn't find that kind of information. But based on the last names, it seems like Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, that's just a minor detail that isn't important really he has one older brother who he's always been super close with and lived with and you know very very close and twin sisters Daniel was born without his right hand so it's like kind of like midway through uh down the uh forearm but this never stopped him from doing anything at all. He was very active, participated in all the activities everyone else was doing. He wore a prosthetic until he started college. And then he was like, you know what, mom, this is who I am. If people don't like it, whatever, which is really cool. It sounded awesome. like he I love got, that. you know, was, you know, gained some confidence going into college, like becoming, you know, an adult and all that and making that decision for himself. His father is quoted saying, quote, his mother and I made sure that he never felt limited to what he can do. I treated Daniel precisely as I did his older brother. I would help him, but did not give him an excuse to not succeed. Daniel used what some called a disability as a strength, end quote. Yeah. So he was like, you know, urged him to do things on his own, which is really good. And that's where Daniel's confidence came from. In high school, Daniel maintained a 4.5 GPA. What? I know. That's like with those, what are they like? What are those classes called? I don't even know because I don't think I took them. In high school? Yeah. AP? Yeah, AP. Thank you, Elisa. 
Uh, that's how you get like above a 4.0 is taking those AP. So he got like A's in all of his classes and he was taking those like advanced classes and getting A's. And he also taught himself how to play the French horn and trombone. Crazy. It, I know. He also played basketball. He played football. He ran in track. He just was like very active, got amazing grades, was very intelligent, driven, and musically inclined. He was really into music. And I'm saying he was, this is just like his past at that time. Um, yeah. This is a disappearance. We are hoping that Daniel's out there and his mom strongly feels like he is. So that would be, you know, the hope. If I do refer to him in like past tense, um, you know, forgive me. Well, it was past because he was in high school. Yeah, yeah. But just like throughout this, I don't know, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Daniel loved going on adventures. He was like the type of person who really sees the moment when any chance of like traveling came up, he, you know, would take it. He loved just adventuring outdoors. Um he on the weekends would like to hike. He played video games. He went to the beach and he really just enjoyed hanging out with his family and his friends. And just like his dad said that they, when they would talk, they would talk for like two hours. Um, you know, he loved talking and, and just getting advice from his dad and, and just was very close to his family and friends. Daniel is described by his family as a, a peacemaker type of person. So he was kind of like the mediator in the family and between friends. So if any of his family members were in disagreement or friends weren't getting along, he would be the one who would bring them back together, kind of create peace. And, uh, And that was like a huge part of his personality. He was just super outgoing too. He had a ton of friends growing up in his hometown and through high school and then in college. And he kept a lot of friends through college that he kept after college. So Mm -hmm. he was just like a social guy, just outgoing, friendly. You could tell in his pictures, he seems like a really positive guy. Although you can't really tell from pictures, but you know. Yeah. Daniel graduated from College of Charleston, which is in South Carolina, in 2018, where he studied geology after becoming interested in climate change. Daniel was exceptionally smart, as you heard earlier, and he was very driven, and he graduated college with high honors. And immediately after graduating, he got a job as a field geologist for Matrix New World in Phoenix, Arizona. So, you know, right out of college, like that's pretty rare. And that's like crazy. He was a geologist. I mean, that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) I know. And he was so young. This, This meant, though, that he had to move away from all of his friends and family back in South Carolina, which that's where his network and his people were. And so he just moved out there on his own. But his dad said he was really excited about it because he was an adventurous guy. Yeah. He thought it was, oh, I'm going to have this new adventure, experience new things, move to a different place. Daniel's job was primarily testing water that was drilled in the desert. Because they don't have a lot of water there. So that's what they would do is drill in the desert, get the water, and he would test it to make sure it was passable for drinking water. Consumption. (laughs) Yeah. So he was out in these very isolated 
areas most of the time for his work, which of course made his mom nervous. Um, Mm -hmm. Just being out in the middle of nowhere, probably with very low cell service and, and the desert is just a shady place. It was, it was a big adjustment for Daniel to move there. He had up until his disappearance, he lived there for three years, but leaving his family, like I said, he kind of, even though he was a social guy, very outgoing social, he really struggled to find a connection, real connections, both like with friendships and with love interests in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So he was longing for just friendships, yeah. close relationships that he just wasn't getting there. But Daniel kept very busy working two jobs. So he had his geology, geology job. <laughs> uh, and then he also worked as an Instacart delivery driver and then he also had ambitions that he would talk to his dad about he wanted to be an entrepreneur so he always was reaching goals and then creating new bigger goals and was always looking to move forward and Yeah. yeah he was really ambitious focused and was just always had bigger and bigger aspirations and was was reaching those The weekend leading up to Daniel's disappearance, his very close friend from South Carolina came to visit him in Phoenix, and they hadn't seen each other in over a year. Mm -hmm. So this was a big thing and really exciting for Daniel to have his friend come out and see him. And the friend said it was a great visit. Daniel showed him around town and everything seemed normal. Daniel did mention to his friend and his some family members that he met a girl through his his second job of delivering through Instacart. He was like mm-hmm. delivering booze to this girl's house. And that's how he met her. It see Elisa, I think we'll go into a little more detail around this, but just like setting oh, but- Yeah, mm-hmm. setting the stage, setting up the events that led to this uh disappearance. It seemed like Daniel became a little infatuated and it was like an unrequited love type of thing where he was like really into her and it wasn't, you know, mutual. Reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah. So on the morning of Monday, July 19th, 2021, Daniel drove his 2017 bluish grayish Jeep Renegade to a job site in the desert of Buckeye, Arizona on Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road. It's like in the middle of nowhere, basically. I don't know why there's road names, right? (laughs) It's like where he met with a coworker. And this coworker stated that Daniel's behavior was a little off Mm -hmm. and that he said Daniel wasn't really making sense. He was like asking the coworker if the coworker wanted to go rest in Phoenix. Do you want to go rest? you need to rest? I don't know. And then he said he was staring out, just spacing out, staring out into the desert, just disconnected. And a thousand mile stare or something. Yeah. Elisa. I think that's a real thing. Yeah. And after being at this job site for only 15 minutes, Daniel got into his Jeep and just drove off without saying anything. So he's supposed to be working and he's just got into his Jeep, didn't say anything, just left. And that's the last time that he was really like seen is just leaving. And I think now is a good time to pass it on to Elisa. Okay. So like Justine mentioned, Daniel was last seen leaving that job site in Arizona 
on June 23rd, 2021. And the name of that coworker that was giving that information about Daniel's demeanor and all of that, his name is Ken. And Ken said that he wasn't sure where Daniel went, like Justine said, after he just took off. And so Ken kind of continued along with his day until he got a phone call at about 2.30 from the principal of the, the firm that was running the well development project. And he had let Ken know that no one had heard from Daniel. And so Ken decided, okay, I'm going to hop into my truck. I'm going to attempt to follow the tracks left by Daniel and his Jeep because there had been like a rainstorm and no one had left or come to the, um, the job site. So he knew that the tire tracks that were left were Daniel's. Mm -hmm. And so he followed them until it got to like a little fork, I guess you could say. And you would typically turn left and head east towards town. But Ken said Daniel's tracks went right, which would take you further and deeper into the desert. Oh, weird. Yeah. So around that same time, um, Daniel's sister, Davisha, received a visit from one of Daniel's coworkers, letting her know that Daniel was missing. And that, um, at that point, she let Daniel's brother know what was going on. Um, and I, you know, I will say that like the response time for the company and the coworkers and stuff seemed like really good. Yeah. Like, I was thinking the same thing where it's like that same yeah. day they're like contacting the guy, the Ken and, and really. Yeah. Like they, I feel like they took it seriously from the beginning yeah. And Daniel's mom, Melissa Edmonds, said that as soon as she found out that Daniel was missing, she began calling and texting him. And of course, he wasn't responding. And she said at that point, she started to panic. Like, she knew if he wasn't answering or responding that there was something seriously wrong. And she sent him after she called a series of text messages that said like, please don't have your mama worried son. And please let me know you are okay. I need to talk to you. And, um, Daniel's dad, David, who is retired military said that he remembers the exact moment when he received the news that Daniel was missing. He was sitting on his back porch at his mom's house in Columbia's or at his house, sorry, in Columbia, South Carolina, when he received a call from Daniel's sister, letting him know that it it had been like well over six hours since anyone had seen or heard from Daniel. So everyone in his life, like his family, especially said that going that long without being in communication with him was very, very abnormal. And about after 12 hours of being missing, David, his father, decided to call Buckeye police to report his son missing. Um, I don't, you know, 12 hours seems like a really long time, but I guess, you know, you're kind of hoping that they'll show up. Yeah. It's almost like I've heard people say it makes it real when you go to the police. When you have to call. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. now it's like a actual thing. Yeah. 
missing. So when Daniel's father called the Buckeye Police Department, he got in touch with an officer by the name of Officer Cruz, who agreed to drive down Sun Valley Parkway to see if Daniel maybe had broken down or if there was any sort of sign of what could have happened. But he returned from that drive with no information, no news to give back to his father. And on June 24th, Daniel's father said that he packed his stuff up and made the road trip to Arizona so that he could search for his son on his own. He said he couldn't just sit and do nothing. And the drive was over, over 20 hours long. Oh, wow. Yeah. He said, David said it was the longest drive of his life. And, and then he was like worried the whole entire time. It probably, yeah. Forever. But he also, during that drive, he decided to make locating his son a mission. Mm-hmm. So he said when he was in the military, he learned that missions, when you have a mission, you don't use emotions. You don't use any of that. It's just all about the mission. Yeah. And so he wanted to make finding his son, his mission without getting his feelings and emotions all like involved in kind of derailing his search for his son. Wow. That would be yeah. really hard, but I guess if you're, if you're trained to do it. Yeah. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, after arriving in Arizona, David went to the Buckeye police department and he learned that his son was actually last seen in the desert. Um, which is, you know, a terrifying thought. Yeah. Um, where it's scary. Yeah. And during the time that Daniel went missing, they said daytime temperatures in the desert could get up to 115. Wow. So if you're lost and you don't have adequate shelter and water and provisions, then you're in big trouble. Yeah. And There are also um, rattlesnakes out in the desert, which is another threat, especially if you're on foot. Yeah. And another thing is there, the desert is known for drug cartel, human trafficking and smuggling. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. They even said that there are people go there to shoot guns off for target practice. So there's like... You know, you could have like a stray bullet. I don't, oh so there's just like a wow. lot going on in the desert, which is weird because when you think of the desert, you think of nothing. Yeah. Just like desolate, nothing, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually like criminal activity going on there. And yeah, there's a lot going on and there's like temperature danger, you know, environment. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Daniel had left an odd voicemail for his mom the month during the month that he went missing. And it was something like along the lines of, you can call me back if you want, regardless, I love you. You know, it was just kind of like cryptic. And Melissa said that after he disappeared, she kind of like reflected back on that message. And it, she felt really uneasy about it. I don't know if she felt like it was maybe a goodbye or, you know, yeah. if there may be something he really needed to talk about and she didn't answer. And then he kind of lost that feeling to want to talk to her about it. I don't know, mm-hmm. but she did mention that call as being something that she really regrets not answering in that moment when he was, yeah, like, whatever. Yeah. 
And like Justine had mentioned, the friend Luke from college, he spent that weekend with Daniel and said that he was in really good spirits. So there's a kind of mix of, was he okay? Could it have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. mindset, I guess, prior to him basically just leaving and disappearing. Yeah. Justine also mentioned that girl that Daniel met through his second job. And that was also mentioned by the family members like, oh, there was this girl. And apparently he, (laughs) he moved very quickly with her. He told her he loved her very shortly after meeting her. He showed up at her house uninvited, which is not okay, especially no. because he knew where she lived because he delivered. That is um, really like not okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And police actually did hunt her down and they f- spoke with her. She said, I have no idea where Daniel is, but I can tell you how our last text message conversation went. Mm-hmm. And basically it went like this. So she said to him, you need to back off. And Daniel responded with, do you hate me? And then this girl said, I don't hate you, but please leave me alone. And then Daniel responded to that message with, and this to me makes absolutely no sense, but he said, the world can get better, but I'll have to take all the time I can, or we can, whatever to name it. I'll either see you again or never see you again. And I don't know if there, if he like had typos or. Yeah, that is. Just, uh, is this like incoherent? Can you read it again? Can you say it again? Yeah. The world can get better, but I'll have to take all the time I can or we can whatever to name it. I'll either see you again or never see you again. Interesting. Yeah. I, I have no idea what that would mean. Yeah. So it's weird. It's a little concerning. It doesn't make sense. His brother also said that before Daniel went missing, he was concerned with his brother and him being very lonely and kind of keeping to himself a little more than usual. Like Justine said, he also had no friends in Arizona. He was a little detached from his normal group of people. Yeah. So they thought, okay, maybe if we enter his apartment, we'll have more insight into, you know, maybe they'll be there besides us just feeling like he was going through something. Mm -hmm. And so they did gain access to his apartment. And that's when things got a little worse, I guess, for his family. They said that it was very clear And they got a very clear picture of what Daniel was going through and what his mind was like at the time he went missing. It was, his apartment was filthy. There were dirty dishes in the sink, on the counter, on the floor. There were clothes on the floor. His bathroom was a mess. And his mom said he, she used the words chaos and misery to describe what his place looked like. Oh, Yeah. And I guess Daniel was not like typically that messy and wasn't really that dirty, you know, for them, that was a huge sign that he was really going through something. That's Um, yeah. And, you know, 
they were like, okay, putting all these pieces together, like he disappeared, he was going through this and now we see his place and it's, you yeah. know, yeah. something was going wrong. So did he take off on purpose? They had just all this, all these thoughts going through their head. And after going a month or so with no information, no leads, no tips, nothing, um, the family did receive information on July 19th, 2021, that his Jeep had been found three miles from the well site that he had left. So going in that opposite direction, like you were saying before, where it was like going deeper into the desert that way. Yeah. Oh, um, and also something to note in the days after his disappearance, they did perform aerial searches of the area and didn't come up with anything. So having the Jeep found three miles away from the job site is weird. They're like, why did you not see that in aerial search? Oh yeah. Lisa. That's so true. Yeah. Huh? So when his Jeep was located, it had crashed in a ravine that was 20 feet down The windshield was badly damaged and cracked, broken. The airbags had been deployed. The sunroof was kicked out. His backpack, his keys, and his cell phone were all inside the Jeep. And his clothing, including his shoes, were located just outside of the Jeep. So the clothes he was wearing that day? Yeah, kind of like in a not organized fashion, kind of like you get out of the Jeep and you just take your clothes off and kind of like toss them. And then his wallet was also found with his clothing. Huh? And then another concerning thing is that there were jugs of water that were found inside his Jeep that were untouched. Oh no. So, you know, apparently he's wandering around the desert with no water, no clothes, no cell phone, like shoes even like, yeah, it's really weird. He also could have easily, he was three miles from that job site. So if he had crashed, if he needed to take off to take a breather and then he crashed and needed, needed help, he could have easily walked back to his, the job site. So it's strange, I guess. That's very strange. Um, What could have possibly happened? Well, there was one possible thing that the Buckeye police did say could have happened was that he could have suffered a head injury from the crash. Yeah. And got confused and took his clothes off. And I don't know, that seems far-fetched to me. Yeah. And then they did even more aerial searches and there was nothing. It was just like this crash with his clothes and stuff and then nothing else. And no sign of him blood or anything. There was no blood. No blood. Weird. Nothing. So you get in this bad crash, you have a severe head injury enough, is severe enough to strip your clothes down and take off, but there's no blood of it. Like, yeah. And the back window being kicked out, he would have scraped himself or something somewhere with all of that. And the windshield was, I mean, yeah, he would have definitely had some kind of. Yeah. Mm hmm. So. Daniel's dad being ex-military, he was very proactive with this whole thing. He created a website and he would do live streams, doing searches, and he ran a bunch of searches himself. He just really 
took this thing on as, as a mission, just mission. like saying. Yeah. And something else that his dad did was he hired a private investigator by the name of Jeff McGrath, mm-hmm. who specialized in accident reconstruction. He wanted Jeff to analyze Daniel's crash. So after analyzing the vehicle, the crash site, all of this information, Jeff felt that Daniel struck something very large to cause the level of damage that he saw located on the right side of the vehicle. And he even analyzed the, I guess it's kind of equivalent to a black box. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, And it included the speed of the vehicle when the the airbags were deployed and then the after they were deployed Mm -hmm. and he like analyzing the data, apparently the Jeep was going in the high twenties to thirties speed wise Mm-hmm. up until the airbags went off. But so he was like, okay, I'm going to try to go those speeds and see what happens to the vehicle. And he said he could not get himself over 22 miles because of the terrain. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not just a flat desert. It's oh, there's rocks, there's, oh, packed, you know, it's like, it's the desert. So he said to him, the speed that Daniel's car was going was actually like not even possible And he also noticed that when he was analyzing the data, he said that after the airbags had been deployed, the car traveled 11 miles after that airbags went off, which he also 11. And even though the car was three miles from the job site, so he's none of this makes sense. He just based on all this weird information, he's like, I don't know if the crash was staged yeah I don't that's know. What it's, you know it's all seems very odd and the fact that the aerial searches didn't catch that vehicle that's what I was thinking too like, so did someone okay so maybe he did leave his job to get some alone time maybe do some thinking and he saw something he shouldn't have seen and somebody oh you know, Elisa you know, killed or took him and then staged this crash or it's just all very weird. The fact that he disappeared like that is strange enough. But then when you factor in the vehicle and the situation it was in and then his clothes and just all of this weird stuff, you know? Yeah. Cause I would think if somebody killed him, they would just leave the body and or unless they shot him and then it's like, oh, clearly he was shot by someone. I don't know. Yeah. And then like, maybe, maybe his car was, maybe they didn't see it in that first aerial search a couple days after he went missing because it wasn't there. Well, yeah. He was somewhere else and then was trying to travel maybe back to the job site. I don't, who knows? Like he crashed um, on his way further way. out and then he was driving back and then that's when he drove off the... Yeah. Maybe he got into an initial accident. Yeah. The airbags went off. He had traveled that 11 miles and then went into the ravine. And that was the second crash. Yeah. It's just really, really weird. We are now over a year after Daniel went missing and David, his dad says that the state of the case currently is the private investigator that he hired for the crash reconstruction is no longer working the case. 
He said Buckeye PD has stopped looking for his son. They didn't, I'd say, didn't even really do much in the first. Yeah. Place. I mean, yeah. they did the aerial and all that, but it's not, yeah, he had to do all the yeah. searching himself. Wow. And they said the Buckeye police, their stance on it is they said there's no indication of foul play. My opinion on that is who cares if there's foul play? He's still yeah. a person that's missing. Elisa, right? It's the middle of the desert. There's a crash vehicle. He has his wallets there, his clothes. I mean, yeah. it doesn't get, first of all, it doesn't get much more foul play than that. I mean, that's pretty, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. You're still obligated to look for people who are missing. Right, Elisa, who are most likely injured. They're like, oh, he just crashed and was confused and now he's off in the desert, but. Living his life. It's not foul play. So, it's, yeah, you're right, Elisa. Living a strange life. comment to me, like. And I found this article that was published on August 25th of this year, and it was published by CNN, who said the following regarding the current status of the case. It says, quote, today, Robinson, who's the dad they're referring to, Daniel's dad, is still living in an Arizona apartment and spends his days chasing leads and working with volunteers to search the desert where Daniel's car was found. He has little communication with the police, who he says never de- dedicated enough resources to solve the case. Robinson said the lack of closure in his son's disappearance keeps him up at night. Oh, gosh, I'm sure. It's- yeah. So he basically, the, his dad uprooted his whole life and is still searching constantly for his son. And I don't know. I mean, we're almost at with the podcast, we're at like this two year mark. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is one there's very, there's a few cases that have stood out that we've covered that are really just what the heck happened. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those for me. I can't even, I can speculate. I can try to make sense of the information, but I don't really have any idea what happened. If we didn't find the car and the crash site and the clothes and all of that, I could easily say, oh, he just, you know, he wanted to be gone. Yep. Yep. He was going through something and he was Mm -hmm. gone. He, and I think I read somewhere that he told his mom, like with both of his jobs and he's just the, you know, the grind I'm exhausted. And so, like you said, if there, there's no trace of him, then it's like, yeah, okay. It's yeah, the vehicle yeah. thing, that component of it is just makes it extra weird. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of better words. And then there was another thing that came up during this whole search for Daniel, and it was the Gabby Petito case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Gabby Petito went missing only a few months after Daniel went missing. And as we know. <laughs> I mean, you can say her name and everybody knows who she is. Yeah, you're so right, Elisa. And so the public, when all of this was going on with Gabby Petito and how much coverage she got, the public was pretty pissed about it. Yeah. (laughs) And specifically about the fact that there are people of color that are missing every day that get not even an ounce of the attention or the coverage that Gabby Petito got. Yeah. And it was through this public outrage that more attention actually fell onto Daniel Robinson's disappearance. Mm -hmm. 
So it was pushed into the public eye more because of Gabby Petito and the way that the public responded to this white girl missing and it's like yeah. these happen at the same time mm-hmm. but even with more publicity and more coverage and more people knowing about Daniel and his disappearance his family still doesn't know what happened to him or where he is Crazy. Or- I mean it's just nuts that um Cause he's, I mean, the dad has dedicated his life to searching the desert and yeah. to like not even find anything is it's yeah. It's pretty crazy. Where is he? Where is he? Well, and for the vehicle to be found in that condition and all the, you know, everything that went along with the vehicle but then add on top of that, that it was only three miles away from the job site that he left. It's just a very strange, strange case. And there's a, uh, I looked up, there's a GoFundMe that the dad, yes. I mean, he's raised so, like over 300,000. Yeah. Uh, there's one podcast that donated 10,000 to it. Um, and that's just to keep the search going because he's yeah. doing it all yeah. by himself. Yeah. He had to move yeah. and all the resources needed to do those volunteer searches and, mm-hmm. and get dogs. I think he's done a lot of that, right? Elise? They've done a lot. Yeah, they've done ev- like his poor. Keep saying, I keep saying like. Sorry. Um, okay, we'll edit. <laughs> but I am including the GoFundMe and the page that his dad created. And I do want to just say on the off chance that anybody knows anything about his disappearance, you can call the Buckeye police tip line at 623-349-6411. Or you can also submit an anonymous tip through the Buckeye Nixel website, which I'm going to include that. Uh, And how many cases are there like this where somebody like disappears and people were wondering, oh, did he or she want to end yeah. their life or whatever? And there's like this weird vehicle found. And yeah, I mean, yeah. he did the Bryceless Pizza case yeah, that, that was, was a very similar. Thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just disappeared. And oh, that's right. Vehicle, yeah, the vehicle such weird things leading up and then just no answers for the family and just like it, yeah just none of it makes sense when I try to think oh did he kill him logically yeah his body yeah yeah it's oh. not logical to none of it is oh. yeah another sad case I'm a little stuffy right now <laughs> um um Yeah, thank you, Elisa. That was really good research. And I learned new things I didn't know before about Mm -hmm. this case and hopefully just continuing to keep his name out, get his name out and just Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully it'll lead to something. Uh, Yeah, sad. And as usual, we'll do our sources and then post pictures on Instagram and sorry, my, I feel like I'm way worse at 
going through the cases when I'm zooming instead of like having it printed out in front. Yeah. Of I feel like the vibe's a little off. Like we're not very as, different. Yeah. We're not as like bantery, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so maybe next time we'll. Yeah. Let's get together. Yeah. To let's do it. like good old fashioned podcasting with a yeah. real mics and all that. Good stuff. <laughs> Um, and speaking of mics, if you want to <laughs> follow, subscribe or whatever, yeah. Elisa, didn't you have a little um, request for people listening? Oh yeah. Share us with two people that you think might like our podcast. That can be just in general, the podcast or one of your favorite episodes. Also follow us on Instagram or murder sisters pod and email us if you have a case idea we're always looking for cases you know that um maybe aren't don't have like as much publicity I guess but, or just any case at all any case at all mm -hmm. we would love to hear from you all right I guess that wraps up number 49 so 50 is gonna be a big great oh god is it amazing <laughs> we might do something big just wait <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks guys okay thanks <laughs>